welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. In today's episode, we continue with COVID-19 and today we're specifically focusing on IFRS 16, which is leasing. And to help me through that, I'm welcome back by Sandra Thompson. Welcome back, Sandra. Thank you very much, Ruth. Nice to be back. You're doing all the juicy topics. You did expected credit loss with us and now you, you've got to tackle us through the world of leasing <laughs> and everything that's been going on there. <laughs> yeah, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> <laughs> Too clever. That's your problem. <laughs> um, so the obviously with uh, leasing and the current economic environment um, there's been lots of potential changes between lessee and lessor including things like concessions to help in this time of economic uncertainty. Could you start by just giving us some examples of some of the agreements that you've been seeing? Yeah, sure. And as you say, there's, there's lots of different types of concessions going on, particularly as things like some shops are closed. If you have a lease store, there might be a concession there. You know, aeroplanes are not flying, those kinds of economic impacts. We've seen a number of different kinds of concessions. So I think broadly they fall into two types. The first is a waiver of some of the rents that would otherwise be due. Um, so it might be a waiver for the period a store is closed, for example. And the second kind are payment deferrals. So the, the rents are not forgiven. They're simply deferred, perhaps to when a, a store reopens. Less commonly, we're seeing cash rebates. Most of them are falling into those first two. But the reasons for those are many and varied. So sometimes there's something in the contract itself that triggers this effect, this kind of concession. Some cases we've seen governments who have imposed payment moratoriums for certain leases or imposed deferrals. And sometimes it's neither of those. So maybe it's the lessor recognises that a lessee is certainly a temporary cash flow problem, if not in financial difficulty of some kind. So they're voluntarily entering into these kinds of concessions with the lessee. The other thing I should say is this is quite a complex area and I only have I think about 15 minutes. So in this podcast I'm only going to look at changes to lease payments that would otherwise be due between the lessee and the lessor. I'm not going to cover things like property tax for lessees or indeed cases where government's giving some kind of compensation to lessors. We'll just stick with the the, the lease payments between the lessee and the lessor. Yeah, otherwise we might have a, we might need more podcasts. We'll have to have an extended <laughs> the extended version without the outtakes, which will take like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so lots of different concessions there you mentioned. It sounds like for some of those, a contract might need to be modified. Thinking through the accounting considerations, are these all modifications to the contract? That's actually a very good question because you might think this is a modification that's defined in, in IFRS 16 as a change to the consideration. And clearly there's been a change to consideration because some of the payments are either waived or deferred. So logically, you might think that's a lease modification. In actual fact, it may well not be a lease notification. It will depend on the individual facts and circumstances. And there is a no one size fits all answer. And indeed, there might be quite a lot of judgment to determine what is the substance and the appropriate accounting. Now, the ISB has helped us here. So on the 10th of April, they issued a two page document really to help lessees and lessors think it through and think about the various things that it might or might not be. And I'm going to talk through five different possible cases and the factors to think about and some examples for each of them. But I just want to emphasise that in many cases, there will be an element of judgment. So please don't say all Sandra Thompson said when you come to do your accounting. 
<laughs> so let's start with our five cases. The first case is where there is a pre-existing clause in a contract, maybe something like a force majeure clause. And it's clear that clause does apply to COVID-19 and it's clear what happens under that clause. So, for example, there might be a force majeure clause that says if the lessee is Im adversely impacted in these list of issues, and one of them might be a global pandemic as announced by the World Health Organization, with the effect that a lease property is closed, then rents are waived for the period of the closure. Now, you can see that's very clear cut. It's there in the contract. It specifies exactly what's going to happen. And under IFRS 16, that's not a modification because the contract's not been changed at all. Rather, you'd probably account for that as a variable lease payment. And in fact, in this instance, it's a negative variable lease payment because it reduces the payments that would otherwise be due. Normally, variable lease payments increase, but this one's a negative one. And IFRS 16 is quite clear how you account for variable lease payments. In this instance, you'd book the impact, both lessee and lessor, through the income statement when the triggering event happens. So if it's triggered by store closures, you book it, if you like, one day at a time as the store is closed. So that one's quite clear cut. However, not all lease contracts have such clauses. Some lease contracts have these kinds of clauses, but it's not clear if they apply in the case of COVID-19 or indeed if they do apply, what the impact is. And there, a lessee or lessor might need legal advice and there might be the need to exercise more judgment. So that's our first case. OK, so case two is when there's been some action by the government. So as I mentioned before, in some cases, governments are either imposing payment holidays, so moratoriums or waivers, or they're imposing deferrals of rentals. Now, IFRS 16 requires both lessees and lessors when they do their lease accounting to look at not only the terms in the contract, but also any other relevant facts and circumstances. And the ISB in the document they issued in April noted that that includes any applicable laws and regulations. So if the government's imposed something via a law or regulation, then you might say that, well, that's similar to something that's already in the contract. And therefore, you might account for that as a variable lease payment in exactly the same way as case one. And therefore, again, the accounting is quite clear cut. So let's move on to case three. The case three is where there's not something in the contract that triggers this. There's not an action by government, but there is a forgiveness of some of the lease payments by the lessor. So the lessor might, for example, forgive lease rentals that would otherwise be due during a lockdown period when a retail store is closed. Now, here you might say the substance isn't so much a modification of the contract, but just a lease forgiveness, if you like, a partial de-recognition of some of the lease payments that would otherwise be due. And under IFRS, the de-recognition requirements of IFRS 9 apply to leases. So that's both lessees for lease liabilities, but also lessors, for example, finance lessors and finance lease receivables. And IFRS 9 says that if some of a, a liability or asset is extinguished or it ceases to exist, then you simply de-recognise that bit of the asset or liability. So that means that the lessee would de-recognise the lease liability, the present value of the rentals that have been forgiven, and it would book again. And similar the lessor, say in a finance lease, would de-recognise that bit of the finance lease receivable, present value of the lease payments, and book a loss. So that's case three. Case four is not is quite similar. So there's nothing in the contract, not government action, but it's not a rent forgiveness. Rather, it's a rent deferral. So maybe the total amount due hasn't been reduced. It's just been deferred. And let's take an example where um, a store is closed, let's say April, May and June, 
and the lessor says okay let's see and don't charge don't pay me those rents that you'd otherwise pay me in april may and june pay them to me instead in july august and september so the rents for july august and september are simply doubled so you've got that kind of catch-up effect or they might spread them over a much longer period so they might take the rents that have accumulated in that three months and spread them over the remaining term of the lease or might even say well pay me right at the end of the lease there's various ways this could work now the isb guidance says that where such a deferral is proportionate and i'm sure you can ask me what's proportionate <laughs> then you might say that's not a change in the consideration that's just a deferral so therefore it's not a lease modification you just do a deferral that doesn't mean necessarily do no accounting because by deferring the leases unless there's additional interest charged at the, the rate in the lease then there will be a present value effect and you'll still need to account for that present value effect to do that you might go into ifrs 9 IFRS 9 will book an immediate gain or loss. Um, so gain for the lessee, probably loss for the lessor for the difference in present value because of the deferral. Now, I'm sure the question is, well, what's a proportionate deferral? Yeah. We're in IFRS, it's judgmental, there are no bright lines. But you might think something like a short-term deferral. So deferring rents from April, May and June into July, August, September, that might be proportionate. Or if there's additional interest added, that might also be proportionate. On the other hand, if the leases, lease payments are deferred for, say, 10 years, that's much less likely to be proportionate. But there is going to be some judgment there. So that's case four. Case five, I'm going to label other concessions. So if you like, it's none of the above. There's nothing in the contract. It's not an action of government. It's not forgiving some of the payments. And it's not one of these proportionate deferrals. And then you may well have a lease modification. Two examples well, the first is the, the non-proportionate deferral. So you're deferring the payments for 10 years, say. Or indeed, if you've got some more complex changes, so maybe there's a number of changes going on, maybe that reduce the scope of the lease as, as well as some of the changes to the, the consideration, then that might well be a lease modification. And there you go into IFRS 16 and do what IFRS 16 tells you to do for all lease modifications. And that means for the lessee, they'll obviously revise the payments to the new payments that are now due, but they also revise the discount rate. So they reset the discount rate to what it would now be based on current conditions. And any difference gets added or deducted from the right of use asset. Now, as I said, there's two impacts of that. Lease payments is easy. But when we come on to the discount rate, that may be an increase or a decrease, and it might be big or small. That would just depend on facts and circumstances. So, for example, if when the lessee transitioned to IFRS 16 a year ago, it reset its discount rate then, it used a, a 2019 discount rate under what we call the modified retrospective approach, then the change might not be very big because you only set your discount rate a year ago. On the other hand, if it did fully re retrospective and set the discount rate as it was at the start of the lease, and that was many years earlier, there might be a bigger effect but you've also got to think through about the impact on both the, the risk-free component of the discount rate, and many governments have reduced benchmark interest rates in the light of COVID-19, and also the credit element of the discount rate, and that may have increased. So you might have them going in different directions. So you just have to work out whether it's big or small and whether it's positive or negative. So those are my five cases. Oh, my word. There's so much to think about. Lots of lots for people to consider and judgments to make there. That's obviously lots, like I said, lots of different possibilities. Is there anything else that lessors and lessees should be aware of? Yeah, yeah, a couple of things. So first, this may well be 
operationally quite a challenge. Lessees and lessors might have many different contracts, perhaps in different jurisdictions, perhaps under different laws with different terms, different force majeure clauses. So they will need to go through them and work out what's in the contract, what isn't, whether there was a government action in that particular case that applies or not. You might need legal advice. You've then obviously got to process the debits and credits when you've worked out what they are. You might be doing all that at a time when people are working at home or perhaps off sick or with caring responsibilities. So don't underestimate the operational challenge. And particularly if you've got a 31 March reporting date, you probably need to get on with it. So that's my first point. The second is disclosure. Now, so there's five, I've just outlined five different cases. I think I've used the word judgment, I don't know how many times, quite a lot of times. So there, it's important to give disclosure about the judgment that's been made and the accounting that's been done. That will be really important. I don't think, I think all our COVID-19 podcasts have emphasised yeah, disclosure. It's a this theme. one's no different. <laughs> it's a common theme, definitely. Now, obviously, this has been talked about a lot recently, especially in accounting circles. And it's even been discussed at both the FASB and the ISB. Could you tell us what the ISB is doing in response to this? Yeah, certainly. And as you say, the ISB realises this is complicated and they've really wanted to act quickly to help. So all credit to them. And they've done two things. So they issued the two page document I mentioned a few minutes ago. That was issued on the 10th of April. And that's really to help lessees and lessors understand how to apply IFRS 16 in the near term, including 31 March reporting dates. The five cases I went through, they're not explicit in the ISB's guidance. We've, we've taken that guidance and fleshed what out, what it means in practice, but very much consistent with the ISB's guidance. So everything I've just said is in line with the ISB's guidance. The second thing they've done is to say, well, can we help lessees more broadly? And on the 24th of April, they issued an exposure draft of a proposed amendment to IFRS 16. And this really seeks to address the operational challenges that lessees will face. So what they're proposing is to give lessees only relief in the form of an optional exemption not to assess if a COVID-19 related rent concession is a lease modification. So lessees could simply assume it's not a lease modification and do one of the other four kinds of accounting. I think in many instances, you might end up at variable lease payment, but you might end up at a, a rent forgiveness or deferral as well. And, and I think in many instances, those might end up as broadly the same in any event when you work through, um, particularly if a, a, a rent's forgiven on a month by month basis. So that could be a significant help to lessees. Of course, there are some conditions. So the first thing to note is it, it's currently proposed to be lessees only, not lessors. And it would be COVID-19 related rent concessions. And there are three tests for those. The first is that the consideration is substantially the same or less than it was before. The second is that the concession affects only payments otherwise due in 2020. So it's time limited. And the third is that there's no substantive change to the other terms and conditions. So you're not doing one of these more complicated changes that I mentioned, perhaps with a change to the scope of the lease. So you noted earlier the relief is proposed to be optional. Is that an entity-wide accounting policy choice? No, it's not, but it's not lease by lease either. So consistent with what IFRS 16 already says, lessees would apply that consistently to all leases with similar characteristics. Okay, so you almost need to bucket them together with their characteristics and then apply it. Yeah, yeah. And what can, when can leases apply it? That's what they're going to all be wanting to know. Yeah, well, as I mentioned, it's only a proposal at this stage. But having said that, the ISB has really fast tracked this. 
Um, so they've only given us a 14 day comment period that will end on the 8th of May. Wow. You don't have long if you don't like it. And they are aiming to finalise this by the end of May. They'll make it effective for periods after the 1st of June, but it would be able to be applied retrospectively. So, for example, if a lessee has a 31 March reporting date, whether that's a year end or a quarter, an interim date, and they haven't actually approved their financial statements when this is finalised by the ISB, you could go back and apply it in those periods. If you have already released your financial statements or approved them for issue, then obviously you can't. But you could restate comparatives, particularly if that's an interim, when you get to the year end or your next interim, you could restate the comparative as at the 31st of March. Brilliant. That's the fastest standard setting activity I think I've ever seen, faster than eyeball reform. It's very exciting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they did do one other 14-day comment period, which was during the last financial crisis. But yeah, it's very, very fast for the ISB. It's not the usual six, nine months minimum no. that we see. <laughs> and you mentioned as you were talking that it's, you know, it's focused on lessee relief. What can lessors do? Yeah, well, two things. The first, if if you think this relief would be helpful and you've got the same operational challenges as lessees, then do tell the ISB. As I said, you've only got to the 8th of May, but I think they are in listening mode and this is designed to be operational relief. So let the ISB know if you think you're in a similar situation to lessees. Secondly, remember that if you don't get the relief, then you nevertheless have the the first thing that was issued, the two-page guidance. So again, don't automatically assume it's a lease concession. You've got rather more work to do and you've got the operational challenge I mentioned earlier, but it doesn't mean you necessarily leap into lease modification. So still think through the other options. Perfect. So we focused, like you said, the big thing that's been discussed is around concessions. But is there any other considerations that lessees and lessors should think about in the light of COVID-19? Yeah, so just going outside of lease concessions now. A couple of things for lessees. Obviously, lessees will have booked a right of use asset. The impairment requirements of IS-36 apply to right of use assets. And certainly, if you're in difficult trading environment, uh, lease premises are closed, you will need to think about impairment. The second thing for lessees is lease term. So this particularly applies where leases had extension options or break clauses. And lessees previously said they were reasonably certain to exercise an extension option or not to exercise a break clause. So we're gone for a longer lease term. Now, in the light of COVID-19, a lessee, for example, a retailer, maybe taking a strategic step back, looking at its business plans, going store by store and say, well, what do I now need? What do I think I won't need? And it may change its assessment of whether it's reasonably certain to extend or not. In that case, that would trigger an assessment to the lease term. And then just flipping over to lessors. For lessors, lease receivables are subject to IFRS 9's impairment requirements, whether that's finance lease receivables or operating lease receivables. And obviously, payment holidays will have an impact there. And in fact, we have a separate IFRS Talks, my last one, which talks about ECL, IFRS 9's expected credit loss model, and touches particularly on payment holidays. So that's well worth a, a listen if you're in that category. And coming to the end of our podcast now, Sandra, any final thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, just a few things. So first is it is complicated. It could be operationally quite challenging. So if you're impacted, particularly with a 31 March reporting date, don't delay, get on with it. The second thing is actually when you work it through, I think many COVID-19 related lease concessions won't be modifications. So don't assume they all are. You're going to have to work out what they are. 
And as I mentioned, in many cases, the accounting outcome, if they're not a lease modification, might look quite similar, and that could be quite helpful. The third thing is we have an FAQ sitting on our in-depth on Inform that fleshes out this in quite a lot more detail with some examples. It's another FAQ on looking at force majeure clauses. So if you want more guidance, do look there. And then finally, my final parting comment always is don't forget <laughs> disclosures. This could be very judgmental. So do disclose the judgments and what you've done. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Sandra. As always, massively helpful to explain some of these really complex things. And like Sandra said, if you go on PwC on Inform, we've got our COVID-19 index and we're adding frequently asked questions all the time and there's a whole section there on leases so if you weren't taking notes when Sandra was going through her five cases well you can listen again if you want to but if not you can read about them on inform so thank you so much for joining us listeners thank you for listening happy accounting and stay safe the preceding program was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.